insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, hosted by yours truly, Scott Howell, and the incomparable Bradley Flowers. For agents, by agents, we're here to share real-life experiences, tips, and insights related to all aspects of both being an insurance agent and running a successful agency. So sit back, turn up the volume, and let's get down to business. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. I am your fearless host and leader, Mr. Scott Howell with iProtect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started today, please help me welcome, he's a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals, five-star recruit, and he's bringing the kindness revolution to the Mobile metropolitan area. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. How are you? Let's high five on that one. It's been a while since I've heard that. It has. It has. And I am fired up about being in Mobile, Alabama this morning. I drove in. It is probably one of the prettiest mornings I've seen in Mobile this morning. It was a pretty morning. 84 degrees, uh, a lot of people out walking, exercising, and Man, just having a great, great morning this morning. Guys, before we get started, let's talk a little bit about why we do this podcast. Our mission on this podcast is to help you agents, your CSRs, your associate agents in any way that we can, whether that's in sales, marketing, advertising, digital, hiring, firing, accounting, whatever that may be, we want to help you with that. And I I am probably as excited this morning, Bradley as you were when we had Jeff Roy on, because <laughs> I, I have a sneaky suspicion we're about to talk about my jam right here. And guys, uh, just to give you a little bit of a heads up, we are going to be talking about program business today. And I've always heard, if you want to make a bunch of money in the insurance business, learn how to get into program business and developing a program for the niche that you have, that you want to write And we've got a guy on here today that is going to help us with that. Ladies and gentlemen, let me go ahead and introduce him. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have him on this show today. So he's originally from Jeanette, Pennsylvania. He's the CEO of Klinger Insurance Group in Germantown, Maryland. And he has only been serving clients, guys, for 25 years. Let me tell you what that means. 25 years means you need to get your notebook and pencil and paper out because you're about to take some notes. Uh, He was an officer for over 20 years in the United States Army's 1st Infantry Division, where he rose to become an infantry commander. And as a United States Marine that was with uh, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines in uh, San Clemente, California, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Uh, He is passionate about his clients, he's passionate about his employees, he's passionate about his community, and more importantly, he's passionate about his country. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the other incomparable Mr. Bob Klinger. How you doing, Bob? Good morning. Thank you very much for that kind introduction. Oh, man, you are so welcome. I am honored to have you on this show. For those of us that have been in the armed forces, for those of us that have served in an infantry unit, on behalf of all of us, I want to say thank you to you for your service, sir. Absolutely. Me as well. Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate your service, too. Well, thank you very much. Guys, we're going to talk a little bit today about program business. Before we get started, Bob, I'm going to do the same thing to you I do with everybody. I would like for you to get in your DeLorean for just a moment. 
and take the clock back and uh, back to around 1993 or, or even earlier than that and talk just a little bit about how you got into the business and kind of go from there and get us up to speed to where you are right now. Okay, roger that. Graduated out of high school for Jeanette Jayhawks and uh, later uh, joined the United States Army and did 20 years, 6 months, 17 days and 33 seconds and two tours of combat and over in the sandbox. Mm. Uh, when I got out on a break there, I wanted to go to college under the uh, GI Bill and I was going to go to law school. And I attended the first semester, and I got burned up because I hate writing papers, and I had a hard time focusing, you know. So I, I decided to uh, take a break and go to the beach. Went to the beach, met a girl. She started talking to me about, you know, insurance and things like that, what her parents did. And I said, oh, that sounds kind of quirky. They don't make any money, those insurance agents. And she said, well, why don't you come home and meet my dad one day? So I met her dad, and her dad was an underwriter for a major carrier. And I told him a little bit about my life story. My father died when I was little, so I grew up without a father. And when he passed away, it changed, uh, kind of rocked our world a little bit. And I started thinking about it a little bit more. So I said, okay, maybe I'll take a year off of college and go work for an insurance company. So I interviewed with Mass Mutual Guardian, Northwest Mutual. And I chose Mass Mutual out of Buffalo, New York. Lo and behold, the first year I was agent rookie of the year. I sold 320 life policies that year. I got recruited from a company called Erie Insurance. An agency moved me from PA to Maryland. So I went from a blue-collar workforce to a white-collar workforce, from a two-lane uh, interstate to an eight-lane interstate. And so I started working for an agency, uh, helping them out grow and doing life insurance, and fell in love with property casualty shortly after that, and started helping them out with a, a niche market. And it was dry cleaning at the time. The guy was about to lose his contracts. I started writing the business. And before you know it, I was writing more business myself than the whole total agency combined. Mm. So I then went on on my own to form my own company. We started out as Klinger Associates. We were a life, health, and a commercial lines department. And then in the late 90s, we moved into the personal lines division. And then right around 2000, we were doing a lot of dry cleaners, but we didn't call it a niche. We just wrote over a thousand of them at the time. And I formed a, a relationship with a, a company out of New York, another agency out of Buffalo, and another guy out of Boston. And we put a dry cleaning program together, which was over $10 million. And um, we had a successful run for about two and a half years. And then those guys, were their loss ratios start going up pretty high. And then a company called Fireman's Fund said, hey, Bob, uh, we're going to cancel that dry cleaning program with those guys, but mm. we'd like you to continue on with it. But it was a little too late for them because by that time, I moved most of that business to the Hartford because they were going to cancel everybody, and then I would have to go through the whole circus again. So I just said, ah, I'm just going to go to the Hartford and move that book of business. And so to bring it full circle, we're licensed in about 21 states now. We have over, I want to say, about 1,900 dry cleaners. And so we have a total of six program businesses that we write every day of the week besides being a generalist. And what I found was it's easier to build a brand when you're passionate about something and you know something about a particular industry. So in the dry cleaning industry, I went to, I went to the school up in New York, a company called NCA, Neighborhood Cleaners Association, and learned everything there was about dry cleaning so that I could go into a dry cleaner and be able to talk their talk and understand what their concerns are and their needs were. And that's what we did. Um, I learned really early on that over 80-some probably 85% of the dry cleaners throughout the United States were Korean-owned. And so that was a challenge 
originally right up front to say, hey, how do I penetrate that market? Well, I started hiring people that spoke the language, and that was my foot into the door. Um, we we realized that they bought because of you know the relationship of the language. Then we made sure we had the right coverage with the right care to give them the exact coverage they needed, because a lot of people write dry cleaners, but they don't give it like an unlimited Bailey. They don't cover the system's breakdown or the mysterious disappearance of a loser suit or damage in process if they you know, put a hole in your in your suit while they're pressing. So we start making sure they had the right coverage. And then we start going to the national associations for dry cleaning, and we start educating their members. And then I got under speaker forum. And then we went to the Korean Dry Cleaners Association of Seoul, Korea, and spoke in front of their federation of dry cleaners throughout the world on dry cleaning. Wow. And, th- and then we start going state by state, going to the local associations, and speaking to them about coverage and cost and educating them about insurance. And then that's how our name got to be known. Um, and in about a month or so, we'll be going to a dry cleaning show here on the Northeast Coast where we'll have um, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, and Delaware come together for the dry cleaning industry. So we not only do business with the dry cleaner owner, but we do business with their wholesale and supplies, their bags, their tags, their hangers, their equipment, their architect, their attorney, their CPA, everybody in that food chain we're connected with. Bob, I I absolutely love that story, and ironically enough, uh, our agencies are set up almost exactly the same. I do the same thing. We we do we do a lot of general business. We do some home and auto business, but our 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 big you know niche is habitational, uh, large property investors. We just got back from uh, Boston, Massachusetts last weekend, where we were with two thousand investors. Um, we are about to go live on a webinar for property investors. It's a big deal with the people that we're working with. I think, guys, if you're listening to this right now and you're taking notes, here's what I just heard from Bob. I just heard that if you're going to get into the program business, you have to absolutely immerse yourself, jump off the high dive into the deep water and immerse yourself into that particular niche that you want to be in. And that's exactly what you've done is you have completely and absolutely, totally immersed yourself in that business. Before we talk a little bit about that, I want to go back to something that you mentioned at the, at the onset of this podcast. You talked about um, you, you, you met a girl, you fell in love, you met her dad. Her dad was, it sounds to me like uh, a little bit of a father figure to you, maybe a lot of a father figure to you, I don't know. But I find it very intriguing how people get into the insurance business or how they kind of fall into the insurance business. And your story is not uh, that much different than a lot of people's story that I hear that, you know, they're, they're doing something else. And, and then all of a sudden somebody comes into their life and they, they find that bond with that person. And maybe they're in the insurance business. And that person is almost a, a mentor to them to kind of, to kind of get them started. Uh, would you, would you agree with that? I really do, because like I said, I don't think we do a great enough job eating our chest in the industry of telling people, the younger generation, about uh, the capability of this industry and the financial independence that it gives you. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a lot of energy back then. I still have a lot of energy now, but I, I just needed a little bit of direction. And it was mm-hmm. funny, because I remember sitting there at the dinner table and saying, I don't want to be that bald-headed guy 
song insurance at age 70. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm 50, and I'm going a little bit bald, but uh, I'm, I'm living a pretty good life because it's, it's just given me the flexibility to be there for every one of my son's baseball games, basketball games, mm-hmm. track games, but it's also given me the ability to be able to give 19 people a career in mm-hmm. this industry. Right. The 19 people that work for me, they have MBAs, they have bachelor's degrees, they have high school diplomas. None of them ever thought about doing what they're doing now, but it helped me help them. And it's also given me back, be able to give back to my community. We have a foundation that we give a lot of money to local schools, veterans organizations, homeless shelters, food camps. I mean, we have a, we have a ton of programs that we do throughout the year mm. on gifting back to the community. And it's all because of I found something I fell in love with, and it's a wonderful industry to be in. Well, you know, it's crazy. We interview a lot of industry rock stars on this show, and Additionally, we have a lot of insurance agents that reach out to us in multiple people per day, every day. And it's, it's almost this, the same thing with almost every single person is I didn't want to do insurance. Right. I hated it. I tried to stay away from it. I fought it. I fought it. Then I got in it and I fell in love with it. It's, so it's, it's that common theme amongst almost everybody. And it's crazy to think the the amount of people who would be absolute giants in the insurance industry today that did not get into it, mm-hmm. if you think about it from the flip side, you right. know, and from one for one reason or another. Y- yeah, yeah, and I was talking to somebody the other day uh, that was not in the insurance industry that was in college that was asking me some advice and some questions, and you know, I was like, you know, you really should should get into the insurance industry, and and the person said, well, no, I think I want to go into X Y Z business insert sexy job title here. Right. And I said, I have a theory, and obviously this isn't the end-all, be-all, but the unsexy businesses are the ones that make the most money. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Well, when you look about it, this is a remarkable industry. There is no other uh, true profession out there. If You know, when something bad happens, we are that Superman, Superwoman that comes to the scene. We're the ones to deliver that promise made, promise kept. Right. If you're an accounting firm, you're on the clock. If mm-hmm. you're a lawyer, you're on the clock. At the end of the day, if you pass away, I'm the one that's sending that I love you because someone saved some money, bought some life insurance, and is providing that lasting benefit there. I can't replace a life, a loved one, but I can replace your dignity in keeping you in the same lifestyle. Mm. Same thing mm-hmm. if you have a house fire or a business a fire or something like that. When there's a natural disaster, who do they come? Their trusted agent, their trusted advisor. Mm. That's, and that's right. That's what, that's what we're about. I mean, we're about educating and make them. There's sometimes, you know, people will buy on price, but shortly after that, they realize it's not about the price they come in on us on. It's about the coverage, the knowledge, and all the other things we bring to the table for them. Because I help them grow their business from one level to another because maybe they didn't have the right CPA or they didn't have the right corporation entity set up, or maybe they just didn't have the right business focus, or maybe they didn't understand about marketing because they were reactive because they put the sign on up front and says, we're open, and they're waiting for things to happen versus shaking the trees. Mm. Aggressively waiting on the phone to ring. <laughs> That's a Scott Howell right there. Hey, Bob, I, I was at the Hawksoft conference this uh, April-May time frame. And one of our friends and great Americans who I believe we're going to have on a, on a very uh, soon upcoming podcast, Mr. Mike Stromso. Do you, do you know Today. Mike? Yeah, Mike's, Mike's a legend in this industry. He's yeah. outstanding. I actually went to his Unstoppable last year yeah, in San Diego, mm-hmm. and he does a great job. Mike has a lot of energy. Uh, Mike is an extraordinary marketer. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a motivator. And I tell you, you know, Mike's the real deal. I admire him quite a bit. Yeah, he he got up and spoke for about an hour at the at the Hawksoft conference. He was 
he was one of the speakers for the two day seminar. And he threw a slide up on a on a projector up on the screen. And basically the gist of the slide was if you want to make a little bit of money in the insurance business, sell home and auto insurance. If you want to make a pretty good bit of money in the insurance business, sell commercial insurance. If you want to make Oprah Winfrey money <laughs> in the insurance business, figure out how to do a program. <laughs> that was basically and, and, and he's so and he's so right because I took my agency from a folding chair to a folding laptop to a laptop and to and based in my townhouse mm-hmm. to a thirty million dollar company. Right. Wow. Right. And I so mean, so and, and we have nine programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we have like we dominate the market in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. We dominate because we speak Chinese, we speak Mandarin, we speak Ment- uh, Cantonese, we speak Japanese, we speak Korean, we speak Thai, we speak Spanish, we speak Hindi, we speak Russian, we speak Polish. I mean, so we niche in these markets, and we use the languages to our advantage as well. Right, and I actually was like your ex girlfriend that wanted to stalk you uh, last night. I got on your Facebook page and was was doing some video watching of birthdays and. I noticed that you had employees that it looked like could probably speak three, four, five different languages. It's a must. Yeah. It's a must. Yeah. I think if you're going to do business, you must represent your area and represent your community. D.C. area, I'm sure it's a lot different than Mobile, Alabama, but uh, right. I'm a minority here. That's by, by. So, Bob, I want to let's deep dive for these agents for just a second, okay? I want to I want to let them understand what we're talking about because there there are guys out there that are maybe a one man, two man, three man shop. Uh, that we could possibly change their life right now on this podcast. But here's the only way we're going to do it, okay? I'm not very smart. I, I openly tell people that all the time. But I want to understand if if I have a niche that I'm passionate about, but maybe I maybe I'm uh, never have been able to find a company that can write the exact policy type that I would need, to, you know, from uh, the standpoint of really getting in that niche and being competitive what what is the starting line for an agent that wants to do program business for a particular niche but doesn't right now currently have a market for that where where do they go what do they do kind of give us a give our agents our 250,000 agents that are listening to this where do they go to start with i think the big thing is this say you're lining a a book of business and maybe your 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 niche is restaurants okay mm-hmm. whether you're going to a carrier or you're going to like Lloyd's in London or a cover holder or something like that, they want to know these things. They want to know what expertise and knowledge do you have in this niche? Mm -hmm. Do you really understand it? Mm -hmm. You know, from a coverage standpoint, from a loss ratio standpoint, and can you show us your track record? Can you show us your, you know, if we're going to give you the exclusive right to writing restaurants in the East Coast or throughout the United States or wherever, why you? And that's what you have to explain to them. You have to sell yourself on why you, because I've, I've got 25 years in this business. Uh, you know, we are active in the associations. We have local endorsements. You know, we know where the risks happen. This is what our retention numbers are historically. This is what our average premium is on a BOP. These are, we write three to four lines of business on this particular niche. This is where the claims have happened, and this is how we've mitigated the claims, and this has been our profitability. So you really got to spell that out because you're selling that to travelers or Hartford or whatever to see if they're even interested in giving you a a niche or an exclusive. Mm-hmm. That's one way. Another way would be to go to a cover holder or to a Lloyd's where you're selling your possible program to them, and they love program business. 
okay? Mm-hmm. And then they'll look at it and they'll say, okay, we'll get this carrier to do the property, we'll get this carrier to do the GL, we'll get this carrier to do the systems breakdown, and then they'll package it together. Mm-hmm. The difference between being a generalist and being someone in a program business could be the difference of about 20 to 25% on commission. Mm-hmm. Right. What do you what, when you say when you money. say when you say twenty five percent on commission? Help me understand that you're saying if you can get a program developed that a company will let you uh, you know have it exclusive rights to sell. I, I assume you you could make twenty five percent more on commission. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying if you were getting anywhere between ten to fifteen percent on a bop. All right. Try bringing home thirty percent. Okay. Or thirty five percent, and then try thinking about okay, if you have your own premium finance company mm-hmm. and you're financing that business, you're making money on top of that money too. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, if you hit a certain profitability with these carriers, they're going to give you a profit sharing check at the end of the year. It's going to look very healthy. That's right. right. That's absolutely right. And and not to mention, you know, they're going to help you with your advertising, and your marketing, mm-hmm. because that's that's what the, that partnership is. You know. They're going to have to help you. You know, you already have a brand. You're coming to them. I have a brand. I'm known for this niche of this industry. Now, how are they going to help you financially market it to the trade organizations locally or however else you're going to do? Mm-hmm. And so there's so many opportunities. I mean, we have, we are a preferred writer with a lot of our carriers, and they all give us money for marketing and advertising because they know they're going to make their money back. So, it's, Bob, are, it's been proven. so Bob, are you, you know, when you reach out to these carriers, these cover holders, are you, you know, just going to them directly, going up the ladder? Now, obviously, I mean, the longer you're in the industry, the more contacts you have, you know, or are you going to a place like Target Markets? You know, h- how do you recommend going I, about I doing haven't that? Tar- I haven't went to Target Markets yet, but I've dealt with Lloyd's and the, and the cover holders. The thing is this, um, if you're a generalist, a one- or two-man shop right now, you're going to find real quickly that you fell in love with something. Maybe you're writing a bunch of liquor mm-hmm. stores or whatever. Yep. And so then you build that expertise there. And then you're dealing with your local DSM with the heart for the travelers or whoever, okay? And then they see that you're writing volume. And then you talk to them about, say, hey, look, how can we take this to the next level? And then you try to sell it to them first. They're either going to have buy-in or not buy-in. But when you go to an outside, whether it be a, to a Target Markets or a cover holder or a Lloyd's or whatever down the road, you you got to make sure that you have... a the numbers and the, and the, the backing of the reports that you've got to be able to show them. This is our growth. This is our retention. This is our loss ratio. This is the average premium in the con- Cause those are the things they want to see because if they're going to invest their money, if Lloyd's, these investors from Lloyd's and London are going to invest in you, they're going to, they're going to want 30% return on their money too. Right. Mm-hmm. And just for everyone listening, target markets and Bob, correct me if this is wrong. Target markets is a conference I think it's in Scottsdale, Arizona this year, where it's basically yes. speed dating with carriers, right? You better believe it. It's it's you got every industry out there, and everybody goes there, and you're basically going from booth to booth to booth, selling your program to them. And what what would you have to have if I wanted to get on a plane and fly to Scottsdale to try to get somebody to cr- help me create a program? Uh, what what would I need besides? I'm I'm assuming some type of business plan and answers to all of those questions that you said need to be thought about in terms of understanding loss ratios, mitigation, claims, profitability, all that would need to be included in that packet, correct? Yeah, I, I would do that. Also, too, 
like when we go into niches, we run the demographics. We know how many dry cleaners there are in each state. Mm-hmm. And then we, we drill down from there. How many are main stores? How many are drop stores? How many are wholesalers? How many mm-hmm. are discounters? And then we drop down further than that and we say, okay, what is that? Ethnic, you know, are they Korean? Are they white? Are they Spanish? And then we, dra- we drag down what is the average income, gross sales, you know, and then we really break it straight down. So it makes it easy for them to understand real quick. So so let's climb up into the trust tree for just a second and act like nobody's going to listen to this podcast, okay? <laughs> so if we roll back the clock, Bradley and I did a podcast. I don't remember what podcast it was, but it was the one that you and I talked about going to Paradiso's, and then we talked about right. uh, the Taking Action podcast. Well, yeah, going and, and seeing other agencies. And, and I think on that podcast I said something something like, it wasn't until you and I started doing this podcast together and we started visiting guys like Bob yeah. that I understood and really fully comprehended the political ramifications of knowing people like yeah. the Mike Stromsos and the Chris Paradisos and the Bob Clingers. That, I guess my point to this, Bob, is is some of this political <laughs> in terms of what you can and can't get? I mean – is, is, it, is it kind of the it, is it kind of the who you know kind of deal going on here with the old program business? Because that's the feeling I get. I would say in some cases, yes. At least get your foot in the door. Okay. Okay. Right. And it gets you up to the plate. Right. That, and look, when you're going after that kind of business and that's for that kind of money, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Chris or maybe a Mike can get you to the door. Right. But after that point, you then need to be able to do the dance. Absolutely. Right. Okay? Absolutely. And so, but you know what? It's it's definitely who you know. Right. And that's the wonderful thing about this. And there are so many talented agents out there mm-hmm. that are giving of their time because they're passionate about their industry. They're passionate about helping other people, other peers uh, live their dream. And Chris is one of them, and there's many of them out there. Um, but it definitely does help because, you know, they get so many people that want to create a program business, but if mm. they really don't know what they're doing and they can't put up a couple million dollars or better mm. a year in premium mm-hmm. and they don't have a business plan other than themselves, because you got to remember, if you're creating a program, it's just not about what you're writing. Mm-hmm. You're going to become, want to become a wholesaler where right. you're going to take your program to have other agents to write in the United States to write too. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. So, so y'all are going. You and Bradley both act like you know what this term is, and I don't know what it is. Again, not very smart. But um, the the term cover holder is that a yes. company or is that what is that? Because I don't even know what a cover holder is. What is a cover holder? Well, I'll give you for example. Um, if you if you look at Rough Notes, you'll see. Um, I'm lost for the name right now, but one of my good friends in there. He's on the he's on the Rough Notes as well. Cover holder, you go. You can go. For example, last year they had a cover holders conference here in Baltimore, mm-hmm. where you go and he helps you get in front of all these foreign investors. Mm. Okay, and so last year it was like a speed dating, just like Target Markets. Mm-hmm. It was like a speed dating, and and I got in front of Lloyd's, and I got in front of so many different companies out there with accesses, and and then they give you a lot of homework to be able to produce for them to give it back to them to say, hey. We want you um, to be a cover holder mm-hmm. and create that program. Got you, got you. Well, that 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 actually makes perfect sense. So, so if you could give agents that want to, they found a niche. Maybe maybe they've started writing something and they've become passionate about it and they've fallen in love with that particular business type. What is the number one piece of advice that you would give them in terms of? 
going out, developing a program in conjunction with a carrier or a company, what is the number one piece of advice that you'd give those guys? If I was to start a niche from all over again, mm-hmm. I would take a look at the cares I have in-house, mm-hmm. and I would like go down through their appetite, not mm-hmm. their you know, 500 things they say they write that no one writes the CBS anymore, whatever, exactly. um, the, the pharmacist. I would look at, and I would look for different things where you can correlate, because you don't want to build a niche with one carrier, because what happens if that explodes? Or what happens if they take serious price increases and you have nowhere else to market that business? So I would look for your redundancy. For every niche we have, we have at least three or four carriers that can write that business at any given time. Ah. So that would be that would be one thing there, looking for redundancy. Then I would do a market study of your area just to take a penetration of are these businesses upcoming or are they downsizing? You know, what is the average revenue in them? I would do a real good market study. And they could do that by – if they if it was liquor stores, restaurants, whatever, go in and ask a few questions to the owners and talk to them. You know, there's so much research out there on the Internet now that you can do. But I would definitely look and find a niche that's growing. You don't want to invest in something that's downsizing or dying, you know. And once you know it's growing, then I would figure out, you know, how many businesses are within your area, within your state, within the United States, and then look where the needs are and then look and see what carriers are writing that business. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can do that market study when you're – if you call 20 uh, – Restaurants up, and you find out there'll be a correlation of what care is dominating in that space. Right, and then you look at it and say, why are they dominating? Is it because of an agent, or is it because they have a precise program, or is it because they have price coverage, or is it because of a language? And then I would knock down all those things, and that that'll help you define and narrow your focus. Because originally, it's like a shotgun; you get all these pellets or BBs going out everywhere, spraying and praying. Versus you want to be a sniper with a one-shot, one-kill. Right. So you want to narrow everything down into that small bullseye. So when we start something, we do bullseye marketing. We work from our location, and then we go out via zip codes, and we keep expanding those zip codes. And, that, and so I build my brand here locally in Germantown, and then I go to the next city and expand it, and then I keep expanding to where eventually I leave the state, and then I go into other states. Mm-hmm. But you got to, A, do your market study to make sure you're going after a niche that's going to be there today and hopefully within the near future because that's going to be your annuity down the road. Right. Hey, Bob, how many states do you guys write your programs in? Uh, 21. 21, okay. Tell us from a loss ratio standpoint, how important is that to these carriers? Is it more important than it would be just in a regular insurance scenario? It is huge. It is really huge. And that's why when I told you earlier – we had a $10 million block of business with dry cleaners with myself and two other, three other agencies throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. Their loss ratios were like 42, 50, and one was 60. And that's when Fireman's Fund dumped the program. My loss ratio was 17%. Wow. wow. So when Fireman's Fund dumped them, I'm not shitting you, when they dumped, when they pulled the contract on us and dumped it, within two days later, they called me back and said, we want to give it to you. But, uh, <laughs> wow. But, after, but by that time, I was already in motion heading towards the Hartford. Right, right, because right. Because I had, I had redundancy in place, so, you know? So so let me ask you a question, Bob. This will be this will be my last one for the day. So let's say you've got $2, 3000000 million, $5 million with a certain company like Fireman's Fund uh, in the dry cleaning business, and – all of a sudden they dump a program or they take some huge rate increase that you know that, you know, none of your dry cleaning people are going to go with that. So you have an agent or multiple agents that are going to have to rewrite that business 
into another carrier, correct? That's right. Now, do you pay those do you pay those agents that are doing that that are basically having to stop writing new business to churn the business that you already have on the books? Are you paying them on a new business commission type scenario there? Or is it just like, hey, man, hey, young lady, sorry about your luck, but you're going to have to rewrite all this into another carrier? Well, it depends. Because um, if they're an in-house producer, no. If they're an out-house producer, yes. Okay. If they're an account manager, no, because they're already getting a salary. Right. Um, But if they're upselling... Or if there's any additional premium on top of it, then yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I do know, I that's do a know, good way to incentivize them to pivot to other things. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. That is the key. That that's only that once we break the threshold and we get the Bob business or the comp or the auto, we're spinning to the personal lines and everything else. Right. We have somebody falling back underneath for the employee benefits, mm-hmm. for the key person insurance, the buy sales, everything. Mm. Awesome. That's a, that's interesting because I have I have eight friends that are large, you know, commercial guys that are kind of out on their own, just doing, you know, selling one particular niche. And sometimes they'll have an entire year where they have to take their book of business and basically just turn it into another, you know, with another company. Talked to an agent last week, somebody we actually had on the podcast, and a particular carrier is non-renewing all policies in a particular state, and Mm -hmm. he had to hire an additional staff person just to rewrite all of those policies. And and he's struggling with the exact same thing. What do I pay him? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, Bob, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you being on our show today. I can't tell you how much it means to me and it means to Bradley for you to be on here. I would I would love to drive the nine hours from my front door to your agency front door, which I believe is 620 miles. Uh, <laughs> you looked at that, didn't you? <laughs> I, I, uh, I would absolutely love to come up there and spend two days with you. And I may actually do that sooner rather than later. I know, probably think that I'm just paying you lip service, but in terms of podcasts that I've wanted to have, this was the podcast. I've always told Bradley since probably March, April timeframe, I said, we have got to have a program podcast with somebody that understands it and is willing to talk about it. And you've been that guy today. And I, I just, I cannot tell you how much it means for me to have you on this podcast today. I really do appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. You know, we, uh, we we started out with the dry clean program, then we rolled to the restaurant program, mm-hmm. then we rolled to the nail salon program, then we rolled to the wholesale program, and we have the bare wine liquor industry program. And then we're I'm actually flying into Chicago next week to talk to AXA about a program for exclusives for sports memorabilia. I love it. I, I mean, love it. so it's out there, I'm telling you. And what better way to build your brand and build your name but becoming an expert in a precise niche. I, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Guys, listen, if you're going out to lunch with your other state farm agents and your other farmer's agents or your other people that you've been going to lunch with for three or four years together, you need to get out and meet people like Bob. You need to meet people like Mike Stromso. You need to get involved in the industry so that one day when you find that niche that you want to jump into the deep water and go after and build a program that, that will enable you to make Oprah Winfrey money, to make Tom Cruise money, to make Bradley Flowers money, that you'll be able to do that. Because I'm telling you, and I've said it on podcasts before, until you get out there and you start meeting guys like the gentlemen that we've had on this podcast today, uh, it's going to be very difficult for you in some cases to, to sometimes get those, those, those niches and those markets for, for a program because you do need somebody to get you to that front door. 
Now, once they open it, you got to walk in and start doing the dance. But it helps when you have a guy like this on on your team, on your side. I would highly encourage you guys to get out there and do that. Uh, as I always say every day, you need to get a, get your ass out of that office today and go sell insurance and make money for your family. You need to write good business for the agency that you represent, and you need to write good business for the companies that you represent. Uh, Bradley Flowers, I love you, man. Thank love you, you too, man. On. Bob, thank you so much. We love you, and we can't wait to have you back on the podcast again, brother. Not a problem. Take care. I appreciate right. it. Thank hey, you. Hey, thanks, Bob. In- insurance agents from around the world, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care. Hey, can I tell you something funny? So I got a letter from Mike Stromso yesterday. Okay. And, and he may have sent out a bunch of these. I don't know. And my address was written in Sharpie. I saw and that. It said sent me Bradley Flowers only and only was in all capitals and then he got a red marker and wrote over it personal <laughs> i saw that mike stromso is a national treasure oh, we not, need to covet him not only is he a national treasure he is a, a uh, genius in terms of money. he is An i was like genius. who the heck goes to this length to th- it wasn't computer it was handwritten i'm like oh my gosh he really wants me to go to his mastermind wow like so all right guys thank y'all yes sir take care Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.